Grace and peace is ours through our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Summer sermon series on the Ten Commandments in the way that we number them. The third commandment goes like this. Say it with me if you can. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy, or by keeping it holy. Third commandment. Sabbath. The word means rest. Sabbath first showed up in the Genesis account when God created all things. He took six days to do it. He really did it in six nanoseconds, but he spread it out over six days. And he did it for a reason. He was showing us a pattern of life. And it says on the seventh day, he rested. He Sabbathed. And he looked at everything that he had made and enjoyed it as perfect. Later, when he gave the Ten Commandments to Moses on Mount Sinai, he said, and we had it in our confession when we, at the beginning of the service, he said, I made everything in six days and rested on the seventh, and I want you to rest on the seventh with me also. So for God, when he gave the Ten Commandments, that seventh day was already modeled for everyone from the beginning, and for him... He made it a command for Israel, and we have to ask why. Why make it a command? Well, Israel was, were people, and people were all the descendants of Adam and Eve. And what had happened at the tree? Eve was tempted to be like God as autonomous. She was already like God in moral perfection. And the devil said, you'll be like God if you eat this fruit. You'll know good and evil yourself, knowledgeably, by experience. You'll get to decide. And she fell right there before she ate. It says she looked at the tree and she decided it was good for food. It was good to make her wise. And she ate it and gave it to Adam to eat it. And right then and there in that story, life became stressful. (laughs) That's where stress comes from. It doesn't come from things in this world except when they're, they're because of the effects of sin. It comes from within because we're like God trying to be in control. I wish I had a dime for every time a Christian said to me, I've discovered that I like to be in control and that's my biggest problem is wanting to control the things in my life. Well, that's a great discovery because that is the root sin of all sin is wanting to be like God and be in control. So Israel were people that were very industrious. People would even say today of that race, the Jews, they're very industrious, right? And they love to work. I'm looking at a bunch of Americans who love to work and produce. We even talk about the Puritan work ethic as part of our American history, right? They love to work. They love to be busy. They love to be in control and make things happen. And so God, when he organized their religion at Mount Sinai, said, you're going to take the seventh day off. It's a command now. It was a model before, but it's a command now. You're going to take the seventh day off. You're even going to take the seventh year off, and the land's going to get the seventh year off. And in the 49th year, seven times seven, you're going to add another year off. You're going to learn how to rest by command. And it was a serious command. And it was a sin to break the Sabbath. And early on, early on, a man decided to go out and gather sticks for the fire on the Sabbath. It's in the book of Numbers after the Ten Commandments had been given. 
And the people saw him doing that, and they dragged him to Moses. And Moses ran into the tent and talked to God. And God said, put him to death. And they did. They put him to death for working on the Sabbath a little bit. God is serious about this commandment with Israel, isn't he? And then later the prophets, when they would list off all the sins of Israel, like idolatry, pornography with the, uh, the idols and the gods of the, the, of the Canaanites, he would often throw in, and you don't keep the Sabbath. It's a pretty big thing. So as time went on, Israelites, recognizing these stories, because the Old Testament was the book that they studied, they focused in on the Sabbath a lot more than a lot of people do today, and they were very careful. In fact, they made it work to keep the Sabbath. They said, you have to be so careful that the person was, people were always, always very, very their mind was always working and working hard on the Sabbath to keep the Sabbath. Like you can't fix a clay pot if it's broken on the Sabbath, or you can't, you can't, uh, they were telling Jesus he couldn't heal anybody on the Sabbath. That would be work. You couldn't walk so, but so many steps away from your house on the Sabbath and many other things. And the Sabbath had become like an icon of ceremonial righteousness And Jesus came. And he plucked grains of wheat out of the field on the Sabbath. And told his disciples they could glean from the edges of the field also. And the Pharisees who keep the Sabbath in the way I described said, Why are you and your disciples working on the Sabbath? And Jesus said, The Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. And this is an act of mercy. We're just eating something. We're not really out working, but I am the Lord of the Sabbath. And Jesus said, if you want Sabbath rest, remember Matthew eleven twenty eight. He says, if you want Sabbath rest, come to me, all you who are what? Weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke, which is a symbol of work, right? The oxen puts the yoke on. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, and you'll find rest for your souls, for my burden is is light. He gives us rest. And then Chad read it. Paul wrote it in Colossians. He said, don't let anybody judge you about keeping the full day off of work on any Sabbath because that's a shadow of what we get in Christ. What do we get in Christ? We get rest from the law. See, we don't live by law. We live by gospel. The law is a mirror, the law is a guide, the law is a curb, but the law does not save or give spiritual life. The law is good, and God gives us the law to show us the ways that he wants us to know, but he doesn't give it to us to give us faith. The law actually reveals to us how badly we need a Savior. So Jesus gives us freedom from the law. You don't have to keep the law against adultery. Are you awake now? You get to keep it. You want to keep it. 
you're free from only living by command and fear because now God has replaced that with love. You love God because he first loved you. You love all his commandments because they express his desires. But it's not first a have to. If, when it falls into a have to for you and me, it's a sign that we've fallen away from Christ at least a little bit. And people around Jesus, even before he died, not many, but some of them, they got it because they listened to Jesus. And there's a little family that got to listen to Jesus a lot more than a lot of other people. Lazarus, brother, two sisters, Martha and Mary. We know how much they listen to Jesus because remember later when Lazarus dies and Jesus comes and Jesus says, your, your, your brother will live again. What does Martha rattle off? Yes, I know he'll live again when he rises up on the last day. She'd been listening to Jesus about the promise of eternal life that he brought. They'd listened a lot to Jesus, Martha, Mary, and Lazarus. But when people listen to Jesus, they still struggle because we're all sinners, right? I mean, don't you think about sometimes when you're all stressed out about something? I'm supposed to be a Christian. (laughs) I'm supposed to be peaceful inside, and I'm all stressed out. Maybe I don't have any faith. You go through that because you know that you should be at peace and at rest in Christ no matter what comes, but you're not always. Martha, in this story, she gets stressed out. And it's a wonderful little story. And that's why it's chosen today for Sabbath rest day, the the commandment, remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. It's not about, there's not, this isn't Saturday at their Jewish home. It's Jesus day. They've got Jesus in living color in three dimensions. The real man with his body is there and they've been listening to him and they know who he is. And when you know who Jesus is, you really love to serve him. You're all that way. And there's a lot of ways where you like to do something big for Jesus. You find your ways. And Martha found her way. Jesus was coming to her house and with some of his friends. And she wanted to make it a big deal. So she went to the kitchen and she went out into the yard and they gathered the eggs and they butchered a calf maybe. I don't know. They got, they were, she was going to put on a big meal for them. This is a big deal. Jesus at our house, right? Let's read the first paragraph, see what happens. She thinks the better part is serving Jesus. Remember what I just said. She thinks the better part of life is serving Jesus. Let's read it together out loud. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her house to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Don't you care that she left me to do this by myself? 
last weekend we celebrated 25 years of ministry and my family was here and some of you saw him on Friday well about a week out ahead of that time knowing my four boys were coming my couple of my siblings I said to Mary in passing why don't we host brunch for the family on Saturday she took a deep breath and said okay that's the last I thought about it really Except that I texted all of them and said, hey, we're having brunch at our house. <laughs> Typical guy, right? As the week got closer and closer, she's not enjoying the whole idea of the anniversary as much as I am because she's thinking about brunch on Saturday. And feeding all of these, she's not just going to, it's a big deal, right? All this family's home. I said, we're just, just ma- we're going to make eggs and bacon and toast and jelly no we're not she had three different dishes of special egg casseroles i even had a little bit of it today uh big big meal but i caught in her voice more than two or three times are you going to help me i mean this story at mary martha's house is so real isn't it If in the home, the idea happens that we're going to entertain some people, a a group of people, then it's everybody's job to make sure it happens, right? Not Not just one, the mother and the wife. I mean, Martha's not crazy and she's not selfish so much as she's just being human. I'm in the kitchen doing all this. She might even be thinking, I'd rather be sitting out there just enjoying myself listening to Jesus. And she comes out and says, make, make Mary help me. Don't you even care? Don't you get it, Jesus? I mean, I know she doesn't get it. And it, it's so, it's so uh, the, you've heard the story of many, many times, right? It's just, it, it's so sticky. You can't get this one out of your head. You'd think that Jesus might say, yeah, I'll, I'll stop talking and let's both go to the kitchen, Mary, and we'll help Martha get all this ready. But, but Jesus, the consummate teacher about life, uses this little situation to teach everyone about life. And Luke figured that out later when he heard the story. Interestingly, this story is not recorded by the eyewitnesses Matthew, Mark, and John. Luke was not an eyewitness. He later met all the disciples. So he, but he, he found that story and he thought, i got to share this with the world forever. And he wrote it, inspired, he wrote it into the story of what happened that day. Because Jesus is teaching Martha and everybody about life, and Luke knew that. So here's Jesus' response. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better and it will not be taken from her. So what's Martha to do? (laughs) Right? What do you think? What do you think Jesus wanted Martha to do? Huh? Say it. Yeah. Close the kitchen for a few minutes, maybe an hour, I don't know. Come out and enjoy what Mary was enjoying. Martha, Martha, you are troubled and anxious about many things. 
doesn't that line really wake you up? It wakes me up. Now, don't think I tried that. I probably did Friday or Saturday morning. Mary, Mary, I said, you are. I said that once. She goes, what? I said, well, it was Martha in the story. She said, you just grabbed the dish and stood it in the dishwasher. You know. It's, he, wanted, he wanted Martha to come listen and sit by him. Right? Why? Because he gives Sabbath rest. He didn't like to see that anxious heart troubled about many things. And he doesn't want to see ours that way either. Neither does the Holy Spirit or Luke. He wants us to rest in Christ. He wants us to sit at his feet. And there in that den at their house, Jesus was the better part. And, and they had him in living color. And they could listen to him talk about how he frees us from guilt. The freedom from guilt. Guilt is one of the huge soul suckers on the planet. That's why the Bible and Jesus and God and the whole thing of salvation is about removing the guilt of our sins. Even people that don't believe are dealing with guilt. They just don't want to believe that, that's, that they're really having to deal with it so much, but they are. Guilt is huge in our lives because we're sinners. And Jesus release, releases us from that. That's the difference between a Christian home and any other home. It's not better rules. It's forgiveness. It's grace and peace in Christ. And if you sit at Jesus' feet, you can learn that. But if you don't sit at his feet, you'll go on hassled by guilt. And fear, he replaces with hope in his promises. Frustration, anger, he replaces with love and forgiveness. And you can, with Christ's power in your life, you can go 25 years holding a grudge and in one second, it all goes away because the love of God empowers you to let it go. And Jesus knows that. He wants to give people rest. That's the business of the Christ is to give people rest. Now we're coming full circle. We don't have to worry about a day and a commandment to give us rest because you can actually keep the commandment like the Jews and make it work, right? It ends up being work. But it's found in a relationship with Jesus. Uh, true story. We, I was at Emma White's and uh, Brooke Carter's graduation party Friday night. And Teresa Mall was telling me about one Sunday when she went out with her bike riding group on a Sunday morning to ride bikes. She said, I was out here. We were all out there east of, of uh, Pflugerville on those blacktop roads. And she said, Pastor, it scared me to death. I almost fell off my bike. She said, this beautiful, like, brand new, big, black car drove up next to me. And this lady on the passenger side rolled down the window, and it was her and her husband, it looked like. Older people dressed in very fine. He was in a suit. She was in a nice dress. And the lady shouted out to me. She said, I looked over. You know, you watch for cars when you're riding a bike. Shouted out to me, you should be in church. And rolled up her window and drove away. <laughs> Is that true? You should be in church? Hmm. She said, I wanted to pedal really fast and try to catch him and say, how do you know I didn't already go? And she hadn't. <laughs> so.
So why are you here today? Trying to work off some guilt? Well, then you didn't even come for rest, right? Right? You come here to get rest. So how do you get Jesus? Well, there's, there's a couple of things that we want to remember. Look to the far left of the slide. See the Bible there? Jesus isn't here in the flesh. He's here by his Holy Spirit. And he says many times, I inspired these men to write it, and I inspired the church to collect their writings. And when you learn to read this book devotionally, not as a religious rule where you're doing your homework, but you read it, look for a passage devotionally for your soul, you will find rest. Think of these passages. They come, if you open your Bible and you look at Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and don't lean on your own understanding. In all of your ways, acknowledge Him and He'll direct your paths. Imagine if you're not knowing what to do at a big decision in your life. He will direct your paths. Something's happened that you just don't understand. You got laid off and you shouldn't have. You feel like Romans eight twenty eight. God is working all things together for the good of those who love Him and been called according to His purpose. The story of Joseph and how God meant it for good. By the end of his life, you're scared to death. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Right? You're worried about all the chaos in the world. Okay, you look at Revelation, and these are those who've come out of the great tribulation. They've washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. And they're before the throne of God day and night. And it says that they'll never again hunger or thirst, and he, he uh, will wipe every tear from their eyes. Hope, right? You see what I'm saying? One of the reasons we're so stressed is even though we're people of the book, we don't open the book to feed on it enough. Like Chad said, we forget the cereal. And God wants to have a relationship with us to sit at his feet. It means to have a relationship with your Bible. And one of the reasons we want Bible literacy, where you understand how the Bible's put together and all the books and how they work, it's not just for knowledge's sake, but it's so that you're at home in your Bible so you feel at home, so you can get to things quicker when you really need them. The things that I just shared with you off the top of my head, uh, I'm, I'm no uh, amazing person. I really don't have that high of an IQ. It's just years of being in the Word. And so when you have the Word ready like that in your heart, then you can be with Jesus when you need to be, and you can find rest for your soul sooner, right? So have a devotional life in the Word of God. Figure out what your pattern would be. But do it as a privilege, not as a must. Secondly, the middle picture is church. I got to tell you, I don't mind cooking. I might even say I like to, but I'm really bad at it. And I don't make very many things. We call myself the utility cook at our home. You know, just a few basic things. Spaghetti, toast with jelly on it, eggs and bacon. Right? (laughs) I'm not a very good cook. But man, do I love to go to some of your homes and have you cook for me. Woo! That stuff is good, right? Okay, why do we go to church? Because pastor and others are cooking up something for us from the Word. So remember that, that, that car and she's riding her bike and roll down the way, you ought to be in church, right? No, you come to eat a meal, that's prepared for you so that you get insight and wisdom and it tastes good and it helps you and you go, I'm glad I went. 
Now, our problem is, is that we don't always cook the very best thing for you because we're sinners up here trying to help you too. But we're doing the best we can. And hopefully, most of the time, you go away going, I, I ate well today at my church and I have found rest for my soul. And I found that I'm forgiven and I'm loved and God is with me and I've gotten my adjustment and I'm ready to go back into the world. That's why we go to church. And then finally, the last picture's got the ever-present smartphone. All right, raise your hand if you own a smartphone, please. So it's not everybody, but it's almost everybody. Um, you You know why I'd like to call it a smartphone? You're smart if you learn how to use it. Because <laughs> it's really smart. This is a way to rest. I know all of the, I, you know, I hear all the uh, criticism. People are always on their phone. You go somewhere and they're all looking at their phone. and uh, That's never going to go away now, folks. You might as well get over that one. But in the phone, there is power to be in God's word and in the community of faith. And we at our little church are trying to get in that game best we can to help you. So, but there are many ways to study the Scripture. I've got two phone, uh, Bible apps on my phone. One's just out there. It's called Version. Some of you have it. Everybody's using it. But then the other one is at the Holy Word app. And on the Holy Word app, did you know we had an app and it's free to download? You can go to the Bible there and it has maps, I don't know how many different translations. It's got uh, commentaries that are linked to verses, and it's got, uh, you can even do the Greek and Hebrew if you wanted to, but you can read the Bible on the phone through your Holy Word app. You can also, at the Holy Word app, get last Sunday's sermon or this Sunday's sermon. So you miss church because you're on a nice bike ride. You can still... Rest in Christ, the meal, eat the meal that your pastor's prepared for you by getting on your app, putting your earphones in and listening to the sermon. And there's a thousand other places you can go to get word in, in, in the phone. But you can't get community in the flesh in 3D or the Lord's Supper on your phone. So that's another reason why you don't replace the physical presence at church. And just tongue-in-cheek. There's also a giving app at Holy Word. (laughs) So you can support your gospel ministry that way too. God wants you to have rest. And to have rest, you have to be near the Christ. One quick little story. Uh, Yesterday I was on the phone with my son Caleb. He's trying to buy a new vehicle. In the morning he said, "Uh, Dad, I'm going to get... They said they'd hold this truck for me and I'm going to go get it today. In the afternoon he said, they sold the truck out from under me. They had another guy showed up. They must have been holding it for him. So that was a text. Yesterday evening, after I was on my way home from up here, uh, we met the kids that came in from Wisconsin. I called him up, said, how's your day been? He goes, well, I was kind of in a dark cloud all day. And then I forgave the guy. He said, I remembered I needed to forgive him. He goes, I'll get it. I'll get a truck when I need to. There's another one out there. Now, that happens in your life all the time. That's not a fantastic story, is it? It's just a normal story. But it's not normal for everybody because not everybody's close to Jesus that has the power to forgive. And that's the point. You're going to get bumps. You're going to get all stirred up. But when you come out of the kitchen and you see Jesus, 
Don't try to get him to get everybody to get frazzled like you. (laughs) Instead, ask him what he wants you to do about it. And he may say, just sit down and hear about forgiveness again and rest. Right? Amen.